what, what, what do you think of uh, of this? This this guy said evolutionists hypothesize that chickens are descendants of T Rex, and these same people think we're idiots for believing in God. No thanks. I'll stick with my magic man in the sky. They can maintain or they can have their magic Tyrannosaurus chicken. What do you think about that camera? Right or wrong, I guess. Yeah, but they, they, they kind of have a point, right? Because, you know, they're, they're pointing out that it's kind of ridiculous that the materialist naturalist view, you know, the quadrant model definitely shows that, that the materialist naturalist view is not true because everything is a quadrant. If you, I don't know if you, you, you have to look through all the stuff to really see that. You have to look through all my pages and stuff, which you haven't done, but you, you have to go through. No, that's right. No, I know, but you, you'd have to I go see, through all the. I see that very. Yeah, you have to go through all the DVDs and stuff, I too. I see that very. I see that very clearly. Mm -hmm. I don't need all of that to convince me. You no, know, but you would, but you'd have to go through all the DVDs and stuff, too. But, but anyways, but yeah, but, but so, so, you know, they're pointing out that, that that's funny, but then, but then they'll, they might say, okay, but creationism, that must have been the way that it was done. But at the same time, you know, you know the 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 pastors or whatever they say that that's that even the creation myth was metaphorical and they made it in a way that was metaphorical, right? Any thoughts? Yeah. You know, like the the sun was built on was made on the fourth day and and it was poetic. It was designed to show like a truth, right? Yeah. And it, and really it just fulfilled the quadrant pattern, but. But the idea is, you know, they're they're grasping onto that, and they're and it's self-confirmatory. Oh yeah, this is the way, and they're like, no, 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 this is the way. It's it's the evolutionary way, and both of them are 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 locking themselves up, right? Well, yeah, that's the that's that's the consequence of any kind of clinging to any kind of belief. Any of those, man? No. So which one do you think it is? None of the above. What do you, what do you think it is then? I have no clear understanding of what it is. Yeah, because I was I was listening to this guy talk today and he was talking about how we're living in like, you know, a mathematical Reality and and, it, and it's really just a reflection of the world of forms, like Plato said. And if that's the case, you know the quadrant model, it's a quadrant reality. But you know he's saying that everything is just thought frequencies, it, it within this from a mathematical uh, a singularity. Like any thoughts on that? Well, he could be right. And even Doctor Horror kind of said that with with the idea of the hologram, you know. But even the hologram could be a projection of of the platonic singularity but you know because that's even a naturalistic kind of view any thoughts on that yeah any thoughts no so what do you think of this quote by Nietzsche he who delights in solitude is either a beast a wild beast or a god Yeah, uh, it's not clear to me. I saw my 
Are you in a kind of a sad mood right now, or? No. But but but, but what do you think about that? Any thoughts on that? No, like I said, I, it's not clear what he means by solitude. See, what he means? Solitude meaning um, withdrawing from from relationships, uh, withdrawing into yourself, or dwelling in the empty. Unknowingness. I, I I don't know what he means by solitude. Maybe what he's getting at is is there's an impersonal the impersonalist who's dwelling by himself in solitude, and he's you know a beast and he's just predator prey completely locked in himself. And then there's also the transpersonal who's completely transcended this world, so he's in a, in like a, a a bliss. So and, and therefore he can be solitude, but it's it's kind of a oneness bliss. So there's those two types. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's what I was trying to say better. Yeah, you're the one who sparked that idea, but it doesn't. It doesn't. No. Yeah, well, you said spark that idea in me. But all right, ready? So it says Albert Einstein. This is what Albert Einstein said. He said she. This is what he said about meeting Gene Dennis, a psychic and a prophet. He said. She told me things no one could possibly know, things on which I have been working. And she demonstrated she has the power to do things I cannot explain. I must tell some of my associates about this. It was miraculous indeed. It doesn't? Well, there's certainly enough incidents to... Um suggest the, re the validity of that kind of insight or inspiration. I just have never had an to witness it. You never had the what? I've witnessed it. I was, I went to the freaking things. The, um, the constellation, family constellations and stuff. No, it doesn't. No. So, you know, you're trying to make it too rational. You're like, oh, it, could, it could be like, you know, insights or inspiration. Yeah, it could be that. But then also, what about the idea of spiritual realms that, and also dimensions, mathematical dimensions, people tapping into, uh, the, you know, domains of existence that are, that are just fantastic. And even, even, even spirit realms, the invisible realms. And, you know, people try to make it scientific and say, oh, it might be parallel universes. But even, even you know, the, that itself is, is a naturalistic explanation. There doesn't need to be any naturalism in this world. Any thoughts on that? No, that's true. So what about, the, what do you think about that? What do you, about that? What do you think of the idea I'm of... I'm open to that as a possibility. What, what do you think of the idea of, you know, spirits and stuff? You know, maybe she's communicating with spirits and, and entities. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, like I said, I've had no first-hand uh, encounter with that kind of thing. But I'm because I haven't doesn't isn't sufficient evidence to say it doesn't exist. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of people who who work very hard to detract all those ideas, like Penn and Teller and these the rationalists and stuff. 
and you know they, they might have a point but but the idea is may, maybe their point that the the aspiration behind that is they're they're trying to get people from getting too caught up in the matrix because even if there is spiritual realms and stuff you're still caught up in the matrix you're still caught up in this in this virtual reality and and if you get excited by it and, and get too caught up in it then you're confirming the self what do you think about that yeah but at this huh what was that? Oh, I didn't say anything. But at the same time, I the rationalist who's... I thought I heard... Huh? I just thought I heard some some voice in the background. Could have been an entity. You think so? Could be. <laughs> be, be careful, Grandpa. Look, look behind you. Make sure. <laughs> <laughs> you all right? Nobody's around there. I don't see anybody. I don't see anybody. I will just. That doesn't mean they're not there. Yeah, just you know, we, we, there, you know, we, there definitely could be watchers and stuff. You know, I was just listening to this guy talk about this. We're in a in a hyperdimensional reality, you know. So, what wh what do you think about the idea of, uh, you know? But then also the rationalist, though. At the same time, the rationalist, he is also self-confirmatory because he's he's taking himself so seriously and he's trying to detract from it and he has his own version of reality that he's clinging to any thoughts of that yeah you're right and, and einstein maybe that's why einstein was at least open to it because he, he recognized this you know like what socrates said i know nothing you know there, there could be these extra rational things going on any thoughts of that or transrational or yeah certainly supernatural certainly. So, is it, so it says the fact that Einstein was fond of serious uh, study of paranormal phenomena baffled many scientists. In the 1920s, in the light, um, wait, one second. Um, in the 1920s, in the light goes mental radio, a book about tele telepathy written by prominent American writer Upton Sinclair, who. Um, has researched the phenomenon of physics at, at the amateur level. Albert Einstein wrote the foreword to this book. Any thoughts on it? No. Yeah, he stated very clearly that uh, I forget exactly. He said it very rhapsodically about uh, exploring the realm of history. He, he was very fond and encouraging about exploring that realm so it says einstein believed that the evidence found by sinclair for the existence of extrasensory perception can not be regarded as cheating or ignored he even developed a mathematical formula that of that process scientists argue that the telepathic signal intensity decreases with increasing distance between the one who is sending the signal and to those who receive it that is what is happening to radio and television waves any thoughts And maybe people with like bipolar disorder, maybe they just have a hyperactive uh, antenna, and they and, and, and they can read thoughts. You know, people say, they say that they read that, but people say, oh, no, they're just making it up. They just want attention, but maybe they actually can. Any thoughts? Yeah, certainly. Like like what happened with with me and Frank. Remember, I was sitting there reading about Boogaloo. I just took, put it up, and then Frank is sitting on the other side of the room. He says, "Hey, what, what do you what do you think? Of, what, what is the whole Boogaloo thing? 
you know, and he, we were silent for like 20 minutes before that. And then he just said that right when I looked at that one thing. Any thoughts of that? Yeah, yeah, that may be evidence of it. So, but remember, there, there was that, uh, there was that, uh, sci- uh, uh, psychologist, I forget his name, it was like, uh, Eric, it wasn't Eric Fromm, but it was like, I forget his name, but, but he was really into that, that idea of the, um, of the orgasm. Do you remember him? The Oregon box? Yeah, the Oregon box. And, and remember, Einstein was entertaining that idea too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wilhelm Reich. Yeah. And and then also I, I heard from the Christian scientists that Einstein went to a Christian scientist place and in, in, in the Christian scientists were saying that Einstein was saying that uh Mary Baker Eddie Eddie was right. So it seems like Einstein was like telling everybody that they were right. But any thoughts of that? Well he was he was encouraging people to explore everything, everywhere. Mm-hmm. That there's no realm, no taboo realm for exploration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. No. All right. So, so what do you what do you think about? What do you think about this quote? Feeling the need to be busy all the time is a trauma-based response and fear-based distraction from what you'd be forced to acknowledge and feel if you slowed down. What do you think about that? Well, I'm sure that is true for some people. Uh, they remain hyperactive in order to avoid um, avoid something. Uh, I'm having a difficult time hearing you, Grandpa. Huh. But, uh, but yeah, maybe that entity behind you was trying to tell you to, that we should start studying more than once a day. I don't know. I'm just playing. But yeah, thoughts that? No. All right, ready? So it says, uh, this is what William James says. What do you think about this? He says, there is only one thing a philosopher can be relied upon to do, and that is to contradict other philosophers. What do you think about that? There's only one thing. There's only one thing a philosopher. William James said, "There's only one thing a philosopher can be relied upon to do, and that is to contradict other philosophers." Uh, by contradict, does he mean oppose them, or make them wrong, or or? Accept the challenge of of understanding and moving beyond his understanding. Yeah, I'm having a hard time hearing you. Grandpa. Yeah. That would be true. Yeah, what? I think that that would be true. That's his his responsibility. It's like a scientist. A scientist's responsibility is to is to look at the theory and then explore the possibility of going beyond it, adding to it. Same way with the philosopher. Yeah, but is is it always adding to it to contradict? It does. Well, no. Well, it can be for that purpose. Yeah, it doesn't. Are, are, are you far from your phone or whatever? All right, ready? No. No, I got it the same as I always have. Okay, so so he says, uh, do you think that, that 
the the philosopher is trying to explore like different angles and stuff. Any thoughts? Or maybe creating a possibility of a synergistic emergence of something greater than all of the above, than all that preceded it. Mm-hmm. And also, it's possibly it's possible that you know you're just there just needs to be somebody to, to fill all the niches to, to create all the diversity. You know, somebody needs to argue this. You know, like you know there was that one Asian philosopher who argued that humans are by nature good. Then there was another one who said they're, they're by nature bad. And then there's one who said they're by nature good and bad. And, you know, everybody's there has to be one to fulfill every possibility. Any thoughts on that? Well, I don't know that there has to be one, but there. It seems inevitable. Yeah. So is it is it possible that they just try to try to contradict each other so they can make names for themselves by filling a niche and stuff? Any thoughts on that? that that's certainly possible too. Um. So what what, what do you th- what do you think about this quote? It says the best revenge is not to be like your enemy, Marcus Aurelius. What he means by that is um, not supporting it by joining it, opposing it. What do you mean by that? Move on. Just let it be and move on. Okay, so don't get caught up in that in the virtual reality. It is what it is, and it ain't what it ain't. And, and, and confirming it has it. a right to. What? Yeah, it has a right to. It has a right to be what it is. So, so don't 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 be, make it self-confirmatory. Don't be like your enemy. Don't don't engage. Right. Don't engage in that software, that dualistic consciousness. It reminds me of that, that Einstein quote, like, no no arrow has ever struck me or whatever. Because I share nothing yep. in common with the world. Any other thoughts on it? No. Um, Alright, what, what, what do you think of, of this uh, motivation speech, real quick, Grandpa, by Eric Thomas? Ready? Think about that guy, but you can't make me want what I don't want. And it doesn't. You can't make something happen unless I agree to it. Alright. If you are taking anything and you don't know what you want. And so if I can do one thing for you when you leave this room, I don't want nothing from you but for you to leave this room and know what you want. What do you want in your marriage? What do you want with your son and your daughter? What do you want in your health? What do you want financially? Like, how much money do you want to make a year? What do you want to drive? How do you want to live? Stop just waking up like an accident. What do you want? What do you think about that, Gabba? Yeah, be, be clear what... Be clear what it is you want. Do you want goals? Do you want a quality of participation? Do you want a purpose and to fulfill it? It's important to see... 
what what drives you and what pulls you. Yeah. Uh, is isn't quality of participation and, and purpose the same thing? Necessarily, you could have any any kind of purpose that that doesn't reflect a high quality of participation. Your purpose could be a very low quality. Yeah. I, I want to be the, the I want to screw the most women in the world. That could be a purpose. Could be a purpose. I thought that was a goal. And that would be a very low quality of per that could be a, a low, low quality of participation. I thought that was a goal. Well, it's, yeah, but a lot of people make the pursuit of their goals their only purpose in life. I'm here. I'm here to achieve my goals. That's my purpose for being here. You're using the, the same purpose can be merged into one. You're using you're using the same phone as you do, right? Yeah. So so so, what's your purpose? Your your purpose isn't to achieve your goals. That could be somebody's purpose. But what's your purpose? Of what the universe is doing. Yeah, No. And what's that? What's the universe doing? What's Upgrades. Alright. Increasing. And yeah, doesn't? you want spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it the reason why i speak with so much passion et why do you speak with so uh, so much authority because i'm talking about my life not something that i read i ate out of trash cans it does like yeah, he made very clear what what he wanted in his life what was that I don't know. He's just saying he ate out of trash can, trash cans, and then that made him decide what he wanted out of life. I had no business eating out of trash cans. I lived in abandoned buildings. I had no business living in abandoned buildings. But ET, your daddy wasn't in your life. Your mom was a teenage mother. You you grew up. Come on, eat. Look at your shirt. That's not an excuse. There is no excuse for not living up to the, your fullest potential. No excuse. I told you I didn't get it. What do you think about that, Gavin? Yeah, well, that's good to live up. Your purpose is to live up to your um, your full potential. 
but there is excuses though, you know, like he was, he was living in, eating out trash cans, grew up with it without a dad, with a mother who was, you know, doing drugs and stuff, teenage, any thoughts of that? things like that but what he was saying is that that motivated me to define my purpose which is to live up to my full potential sounds like that's what he's saying daddy i didn't get a new mama what changed i changed and i stopped being a victim i stopped saying i've got to wait for good things to happen to me and i said i'm gonna grind I'm going to fight. I'm going to work. I'm going to press toward. I'm going to learn. I'm going to do everything in my power every single day. I'm going to do everything in my power to become a victor and not a victim. Now, let me say this before I move. It doesn't? Yeah. Yeah, uh, a different ways of saying, oh, well, my, my purpose is to live up my full potential. Yeah, keep, keep, your phone keeps on going in and out. I don't know what's up. All right. And I can't explain it, but yeah, you well, better feel me. Winners. You know, we've had, we've had, uh, we've had, we've had uh, power outages off and on all day today. So maybe a part of that, that may be a part of the problem. Yeah, I, I don't know. I really... Because I'm talking the same way. I'm done Okay, I, I get it. I get it. All right. And, and losers lose. I can't explain it hey, any better than that. Hey, I don't know I don't, how would I don't it... like your nasty attitude. Oh, I sorry about that. Yeah. I don't like your nasty attitude. Sorry about that. All right. I just I just frustrated because I can't yeah, I can't I've been ready. I can't hear you because it keeps on going in and out. All right. Well, winners win. And if you create a culture of losing, if you keep being a victim, if you keep letting losing happen to you, if you keep letting people do you and treat you any kind of way, it's going to become a culture. Let me tell y'all, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not from New Zealand, guys. Come on, listen to me very closely. I'm not from New Zealand, but I know about, I'll, let me say it this way so I can help you. I know about what team. I'm not, I've never seen, I've never seen all blacks play a day in my life. I've never been to the stadium. Where's the stadium? Help me out. Where's the stadium? Okay, I'm going to see right. You see what I did? I've never been to the stadium. You're like, Eric, the stadium, that's Hobbit that way, Eric. That's not the stadium. The stadium is this way. I've never been there a day in my life. And if you watch some of my videos, I have all blacks in my videos. Why? Because they're what? They're winners. And when you're a winner, you don't even stay in your own little town. When you're a winner, winning spreads. So everybody, I got videos where I'm like, y'all, I don't really know how to show my passion. Somebody said, get the all blacks. Ah! Hey, does that go? No, he's just saying I'm, I'm exploring. I'm exploring. That's, that's the second way to upgrade your software, exploration. He's talking about winning, though. You're usually against the idea of winning and, and Trump and all that. Well, it sounds to me like what he's saying is I'm not going to settle for just coasting. Okay. I'm going to settle for winning at this this enterprise of living up to my potential. Is is he, does he have kind of a I'm make it? Huh? Uh, 
it doesn't sound like he's. This is an interpersonal challenge to win over somebody else. It's oh. to win in the in the in the enterprise. Does he have kind of a make it happen judgmental tone? Well, certainly a possibility, yes. But you know that that's not bad. That's the ego and his magnificent and his accomplishments. He's trying to make things happen. You get in the new. Well, what? Yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's using enthusiasm and and force. Uh, I mean, forcefulness as a way of of trying to raise their level of their quality of participation. Yeah, doesn't. No. So, but but you so you think that, that he kind of has a make it happen tone, making it happen. But but making it happen, you have to make it happen before you can figure out that it doesn't work, and then you can let go to the flow, right? But you first gotta try to make it happen. Yeah. You, yeah you, well, I don't know that you have to, but it's 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 very common. It's that old saying: you can't get there. Here, but only those who refuse to accept that fact, and they keep pushing and pushing and pushing, trying to make it happen, but will ever discover. Yeah, there's here. It's up. called being per pers persistent, and that's that's called being persistent and um, and uh, determined. I'm like, yep, that's what I need. All blacks. Yeah, what do you think of that New Zealand dance where they go like, ooh, you know, they're like, like hitting their they're hitting their chest and hitting themselves and stuff. Remember that? You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? No. You never seen I the New Zealand? You never seen that New Zealand Aboriginal dance where they're like, ooh, ooh, ha, you know, doing that thing? You've ne no, you never I seen don't that? Remember seeing it? I may have. Can we put on your video so you can check it out real quick? Alright, I'm put on the video real quick. Somebody said get the all black. Ah. Are you on the video? Can you see me? Can you see me? Not yet. Yeah, now I can. Alright, ready, look. You, you, you never seen that before, Grandpa? No, I, I, I couldn't see it because the 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 reception, the connection. Uh, okay, is very poor. Well, forget We're about it then. Forget about it. Now.
They just said it in Rudd. I don't know if God is. I'm like, ooh, that's a violent sport. Their passion is all over there. Why? Because winners win. I can't explain it to you. But you better stop making excuses and find a way to win. Because once you start winning, you go from 1,500 to 3,000 to 5,000 to 7,000. You remember, see? From 7 to 10. Nothing changed. We're still in the basement. We don't have a building. We still use the garage for all of our products. We don't have business cards. We don't have a five-year plan. We don't have a three-year plan. How do you do it then? Eve, we wake up and grind. Winners win. I focus more on winning than I focus on structure. What do you think about that, Gabriel? Yeah, he's saying don't, don't enjoy and indulge in your shit story. Get out there and get a plan. Set some goals and live your purpose of fulfilling your full potential. But but is, is he in a kind of a superior, inferior mentality, like win, like beat people, or no? Well, I don't know that he's, he's suggesting, it doesn't appear that he's suggesting that. I'm sure it could be interpreted, his audience could interpret it in that way. Oh, winning, and when you become a winner, they start seeing you with winners. You get from being a loser, low self-esteem, doubt and fear and if you can find your way on this side guys it's sweeter on this side you want you know what's so funny we want people to make guarantees to us but we're not willing to make guarantees to ourselves now bro i'm gonna say it again like you somebody gave you a guarantee 30 dollars 30 day guarantee in 30 days if, they, if you don't make what they told you was gonna make in 30 days you got an attitude you want your money back but you never demanded your money back from yourself you never looked at yourself in the mirror and said, you let you down. Until you get to that point, you let you down. You never, you're not brave enough. You want to put it on somebody. Hey, that's that Yeah, that's important to be able to be, be accountable to your level of participation, your level of aliveness. But, but the problem with the motivation speakers is, uh, you know, like, look at the black culture. Like, a lot of the black people, you know, are struggling in poverty and stuff. And you, you can say, no, I wasn't. it's not because of, you know, don't blame, don't blame people. You let you down. And then that's that's that same blaming the victim mentality. Ain't that something? Well, it'd be much more helpful to say your your software or your level of participation lets you down. Okay, so so, but but you but like look look at the black, but look at the black people in the in the ghetto, quote unquote black people. Is it is it their software that let them down? Yes. How so? Well, that's my understanding, and and certainly their software was they they learned their software from the culture from the water in which they flowed. The boat, they don't need to settle for that. And that's what he's saying. Yeah, okay, so so obviously we're looking that there's there's economic factors, there's there's factors that were placed in society that, that have given other people head starts and stuff. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, obviously. So, yeah, you look at all of that and you say, you know, there are explanations. There are reasons. And uh, you can use that as an excuse.
and as a sheep case story, or you can acknowledge that that happened and get on the bo- about the process of upgrading your quality of participation in your software. The reason why I'm not you're successful not is because of for where you. What? You are not to blame for where you are now, but you are responsible for um, taking responsibility for where you are now and upgrading that. So no matter where you're at, you can. That's you, not. But 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 there's there's almost like a a threshold uh, uh, quantum leap, uh, you know. That you have to that you have to get to to get out of the the levels of dualistic consciousness and in 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 the environments that a lot of these people are in they they're not they don't have those the factors that can catalyze that any thoughts? Totally, we've talked about that many times. You got to be you have to be exposed and you have to explore and you have to. See, he's very good at, at trying to motivate people to raise their level of their acceleration, their level of aliveness. Boss, have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and said, I'm not getting up on time. I'm not going to work on time. I'm not putting in 120% when I'm at work. I let me down. And when you get to the point where you can say you let you down, I don't care. Listen to me. No disrespect. I don't care about Glenn. That's not why I do what I do. And I love Glenn. I don't come here and do what I do so Glenn can affirm me, so he can give me a pat on my back. I care more about me than I care about what Glenn thinks about me. I have standards. I have values. I don't care how much you pay me. If I speak at an elementary school for $300, I chose to do that for $300. If I chose to speak at a prison for free, I chose to do that. And I will not go in there and give those prisoners less than what somebody pays me $100,000. Why? Because I value myself enough to give 120% or don't do it. That's the problem with some of you. You always want to blame other people. You always want to you want to hold other people to the fire, but you're not holding yourself to the fire. You just say you're giving 50%. You owe you an explanation. You owe you an explanation. You need to look at your... Hey, does that give Yeah, well... See, he's not making a distinction between blaming yourself and blaming your software. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's getting in a judgmental manner, and this is actually going to just enforce the software that's a problem in the first place, and then maintain the the dualistic uh, virtual reality cycle. Yep. Yeah, doesn't. Is is this going to help some people though? Is it going to help some people or no? It does. Well, it, very likely it can light a fire under under people in the audience in the mirror and say why are you only giving 50 percent? what's wrong with you you need to put yourself on punishment you need to tell you no more tv no more snacks no more desserts no more no we working out now no no more alcohol not right now. it doesn't yeah those would be those would be goals that you set for yourself in order to live up to your purpose of of um, living up to your full potential. You, 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 no more TV, no more this, no more that. It's kind of like when when I was when I was playing with the uh, ULA this summer, University of Los Angeles, and they got I got so good. Play, at first, I, I wasn't playing good with them because first off, the coach had me jump stopping in the shots, which was messed up my shot. 
but but then uh but I practiced with him every single day and the coach loved me cuz every you, you remember the coach he was like yeah he's devoted every single day I went to every single every single practice went all out every time and then they were just you know amazed by that and then by the time at the end of the summer then I went to the Compton College and because of all the work I did I was dominant in Compton College cuz I, I I didn't get tired and I was just going all out and and I and I'd practice the whole summer and I got good again you know what I mean any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's that's it. And, and the thing about me is, you know, I I never drank alcohol. I didn't, you know, eat, eat the junk. You know, I I was, you know what I mean. I didn't ha- do any any of that stuff. All right, ready? Yeah. No, I can't handle it right now. You need to tell you that you owe you something. Stop going back to you. You keep going to the mall with the receipt. This is what y'all said it was. Glenn, you didn't do what you said you was going to do. Well, you didn't do what you were supposed to do, so how am I going to do what I was supposed to do for you? You walk out of this room, you owe yourself. I didn't get here making excuses. So what? My father wasn't in my life. The truth of the matter is, he ain't never coming in my life. So what, I'm going to wait for the rest of my life for my man to come? He ain't coming. I live in America. I'm an African-American male. They don't treat us the same. It's something called racism. I ain't going to cry about it. It's probably going to be racism to the day I die, but I'm not going to cry about it. I'm still going to be a millionaire. I'm still going to be one of the top motivational speakers in the world. What do you think about that, Gamer? Yeah. <laughs> He's going to live up to his potential. He's not going to tell himself a story. No, I didn't grow up on that side of the town. No, my mama don't have no network. No, I don't know a whole lot of people. No, I'm not at a country club. No, I don't play golf, and I don't plan on playing no time soon. But I'm still going to be successful. I'm still going to get to where they are. Why? Because I owe it to myself. And can't nobody stop me but me. And you need to get rid of them excuses. And you need to stop pointing fingers at people. And you need to start pointing fingers at yourself. What? It doesn't. So, so but you, you, you was making the mistake and saying you got to point fingers at yourself, and it's not the self, because there is no self. It's it's the software, right? Right. Yeah, it doesn't? No. So what is the software that's getting in those people's way? Just, just the fact that they believe that they're the self, maybe superior, inferior, so they're, because they're, they're so afraid of being inferior that they make themselves, that they, that they sabotage themselves and stuff? I'm 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 inferior in because of so and so and so and so I I'm a loser, a winner. It's hard to know. It could be any number of different well, forms it, it, it's of kinda like, it's kinda like, thinking. It's kinda like the guy software. it's kinda like the guy before the SAT test and, and he would and he and he spent the whole night, you know, partying so that he didn't have to look inferior. Because he knew, so then he, he did bad on the test, but then, you know, he actually could have done better if he studied, but he went out the party so that he can have an excuse. And then he actually did make himself inferior. Yeah. All, right, all right, ready? So, so, so Grandpa, t- tell me what you think about, uh, about this, uh, this, uh, talk about Freud, Jung, Luke Skywalker, and the psychology of myth. All right, ready? Just, just a quick 10 minute. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Tell 
It says Freud, so Jung. Can, it says Freud, Jung, Luke Skywalker, and the psych, and the psychology of myth. So this is going to talk about the anima and the animus and, and all that stuff. You know the archetypes and stuff. And I want to see if you under, if you can under, help me understand that. Ready? Like the the, the shadow. Remember, I told you about the shadow. This is Crash Course Mythology, and today we're going to lay mythology down on this comfy little couch over here, and we're going to listen to all of its problems. It's time to get all psychology on mythology. We'll be examining the theories of both Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung and discussing the curious relationship the works of both men have to mythology. So, Tote, how do you feel about your mother? Oh, that's right. You created yourself. Or did you spring from Seth's forehead? Or was it Ra's heart? Anyway, we're talking about Freud and Jung for two main reasons. The first is that they used myths in their practice. They relied on ancient stories to describe the contemporary psychological conditions they observed and would often relate what their patients told them to mythological stories. And second, we can use some of their theories to explore and analyze myth itself, just like we applied Joseph Campbell's theories in our exploration of hero myths. And let's not forget that Campbell's theories owe a lot to Jung. So you know you like Campbell a lot, Grandpa. So he says it owes a lot to Jung. Any, any other thoughts with the monomyth? Any thoughts? No. Huh? I, I'm still. I'm, I'm still. I'm still on the outside looking. Freud and Jung were contemporaries, and the two of them were hugely influential in establishing psychology and psychoanalysis in the 20th century. Freud started writing in the 1890s and is generally considered the father of psychoanalysis, which in turn has influenced almost all of our pop culture representations of what psychology or therapy or even the mind look like. Freud and Jung both believed that our dreams, the stories that our minds create without our active input, are keys to understanding our waking selves and the problems we experience. For Freud's career, Freud thought that most of our problems had a single root, the Oedipal. You've probably heard the phrase Oedipal Complex. This is a classic and well-known example of how Freud was influenced by mythology. He used the Greek myth of Oedipus to help illustrate a particular theory he had about why so many rich 19th century Viennese people were so neurotic. We've covered the myth in Crash Course Literature, but basically Oedipus is a Greek prince who's the subject of a prophecy which says one day he will kill his father and marry his mother. He does everything he can to avoid this. Only years later, to sort of accidentally kill his father, the King Laius, and sort of accidentally marry his mother, the Queen Jocasta, and then less accidentally sort of have a bunch of incest kids. Freud borrowed Oedipus's name to help explain his theory that young boys have a natural desire to replace their fathers and bed their mothers. Freud argued that so many other hang-ups and emotions derive from this complex. Now, maybe you're thinking, I don't want to sleep with my mother, or... I'm not a boy, so how does this apply to me? And you would be right to have these questions. There are definitely some assumptions in a lot of Freud's theories. But, like it or not, these theories have shaped and influenced huge swaths of 20th century Western culture. We haven't even talked about his theory of penis envy, and oh, look at the time, better keep moving. Carl Gustav Jung was, at one time, Freud's friend and collaborator. And, like Freud, Jung is a towering figure in the history of psychology. One of his best-known techniques is a way of analyzing dreams. Jung believed that dreams could be understood through archetypes. He defined archetypes as those figures or concepts that occur across cultures and history, shared, in essence, amongst all people. 
there are as many archetype. <laughs> Any thoughts on that, Kevin? No, that's just all information about those different guys. Yeah, but but with me, like for me, dreams have never been that important. You know, they're talking about like these ideas that dreams are connected to myths and stuff, but I've never really had big time dreams. You know, like what? Maybe maybe because my my life is very like filled. My life is like a dream, but like my dreams aren't that action packed. Any thoughts on that? And I usually just have no, night. I've never really spent a lot of time. Yeah, I've never really spent a lot of time looking at my dreams or anybody else's dream. Uh, well, let's let's see if we, we can understand what it means by these archetypes and stuff. Right? There are typical situations in life. He once wrote. Jung believed archetypes help us understand the world and explain not only our dreams but also the common aspects of dreams among many people. According to Jung, human beings everywhere are born with the ability to draw archetypes from a sort of super psychic ether and form them into an individually useful language of storytelling and meaning. This ether is known as the collective unconscious and is one potential explanation for why there are so many commonalities in myths throughout the world. Jung thought archetypes in dreams and stories alike were one key to better understanding our own lives. So if Jung used archetypes as a way to analyze dreams, he drew on myths depicted in stories and art to figure out what those archetypes were. Stories of heroes and witches and tricksters and maidens help inform the archetypes that Jung established, which he in turn used to explore the psychology. What do you think about that guy, Benny Toss? No. What do you think about these ideas like archetypes of like a tricksters and the maidens and all that? Yeah, I, I've never really studied them. Dude, so you think that those archetypes are real, but what, how would they have to do with transpersonal psychology? And he doesn't? Or, or transpersonal? Ways of, uh, of um, describing mythologically our our software, our ways of looking at the world. For example, the recurring myth of the t Tower of Babel or the, the Noah's flood. Those are archetypes that a way of being in the world. Any other thoughts? No. So, the, these are archetypes. Or, uh, what, what you, know, you talk about, like the maiden stuff. There's also like the wise old man archetypes. So, like, like is is the world filled with archetypes? Like, are you the you know I'm I'm quote unquote like the messiah figure, who who, who discovers the theory of everything, right? And and then you're the wise old man figure. Who you know, and these are like archetypes. Do you think that like in the Matrix, these archetypal things are are, are fulfilling themselves? Any thoughts on that? No, no possibility. Like I say, I've never really pondered that whole domain. All right. Of his patience. He considered a person's psyche to be an individual manifestation of elements taken from the collective unconscious, elements also often found in myth. By taking ideas from different myths and using their widely accepted meaning to look analytically at our dreams, we can better understand our own psyche. 
want to, we can also plug some of Jung's ideas. Does that make sense to you, Grandpa, connecting the myths and the dreams, and he doesn't? Expressing the same archetype, the same myth. Hmm. And it doesn't. Well, do you think, do you think it's because they both come from like no. from like a higher realm? Like they both come from the realm, the transpersonal realm outside of the body, like a deeper, truer reality of forms. And it does. Yeah. So, so do you think that? Okay, what, what do you think about this ritual that this guy was talking about? Uh, his name is Morg or whatever, but but he he said that he he would get a. He was, he was talking about these different rituals they do. He said, do do you agree that a wedding is a ritual? Yeah, there are a lot of things that are repeated in in weddings, rich ritualized in weddings. So like what one thing that they do at a wedding is they'll like throw something over their shoulder, but that might represent like letting go of the past or letting go of the past or letting go of your attachment or whatever. I don't know. And and, and these they, they point to higher truths, right? The rituals point to higher truths, right? Yeah. So he was talking about this one ritual yeah, that he like, would do where, where he would get a stone or a, huh? In a Jewish wedding. Yeah. What? In a Jewish wedding, they they had this thing of of stomping on a wine glass and breaking it. I, I I don't know what that all symbolizes, but there are a lot of symbols. So so like uh, this one ritual, the guy said he he would get a stone and he would hold it, and then he would like put all of his negative thoughts and put all like his negative energy and all the the, the bad things, and, and and he would put it all into the stone. He'd hold it and he'd you know concentrate his mind on, on it and, and put it on the stone. Any thoughts on that? No. And I guess he would throw the stone away. Like what what does that represent? Is that is that a good ritual? Yeah, it's a ritual of, of letting go of the past, letting go of the stuff that you're carrying around in your colostomy bag. But th does he have to do it with the stone? Like, wh why, why with the stone and everything? Is it just symbolic or what? Well, yeah, it, it's just a form of the ritual. So the world of myth and the world of ritual is, like, very connected, right? Oh, yes. So... Yep. before about the definition of a ritual it's it's a truth obeyed inadvertently mm. and that's what a ritual does yeah so 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 when when he's doing these rituals he said too that he would like have a will like he has a will with it any thoughts of that while he's doing the ritual no he, he yeah I'm not sure or, or maybe like an intention like he's doing the ritual with an intention in mind any thoughts of that And then, and he was also pointing out that like rituals, a lot of times they're, they're done during like times of transition or significant times, like you know this ritual for spring ritual, like moving into spring or the going into the wedding or you know any thoughts of that? Yeah. 
What's the, yeah. what's the significance of that? Basketball, bas- I'm not sure. Basketball players, or athletes in general, basketball players especially, when shooting free throws, often have rituals to go through. Yeah, what, what do you think is the significance of that? Well, again, it's, it's, it's to eliminate all distractions and to be focused simply on repeating a ritual in order to get free of all distractions. And also, is it also acknowledging a higher power? That, that, that it's not you, but a higher power and the ritual's aligning you with that, or what? Yeah, it could be. What, 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 what for you... some. You see, for example, for example, if I, if I did a, a flagrant foul on you, and you went to the free throw line, and all you were thinking about is getting revenge, on, it'd be harder for you to make your two free throws, but if you go through the ritual, it's a way of getting your mind free of your vengeful thinking. Yeah, right. Back into myths to better understand how they work. Jung discussed a lot of archetypes, but we're going to focus on three big ones that he thought were part of every individual. If an individual or a hero of a myth can integrate them all successfully, it means a fusion between the conscious mind the personal unconscious, and the collective unconscious. And that means, wait for it, an integrated self. You got that? And hey, fun bonus fact. What do you think about that, Grandma? Yeah, I... The, I, the integrated self, like... I've never really... I, I, think, I think that's like connecting with the singularity yeah. and connecting, like, the collective and the individual and, and getting in touch with maybe the true nature of reality, maybe the world of forms. Any thoughts? But the thing is, he's talking about integrated self, but you would say that there is no self. But so what is it? What, is he trying to get people back into the self or what? Any thoughts? No, I, I, I don't think he's talking about the ego self there. It's an integrated focus, an integrated um, organizing frame of reference. All right. This individuation isn't necessarily an end state. People can go through it numerous times. The three archetypes we're looking at are the shadow, the anima slash animus, and the self. The shadow is a part of our unconscious mind and represents all the parts of a person that they don't like to acknowledge. This includes less socially acceptable emotions like rage, or sexual desire, or survival instincts. Think of it as- What do you think about that, Gamma? Uh, I don't have any thoughts. Your hidden side, sort of like a reverse image of your conscious self. In dreams and myths, though, the shadow is always the same gender as the protagonist or dreamer. Yeah, Jung has a tendency to break things down along gender lines to make a lot of assumptions based on those. What do you think about that, Gamma? Well, again, see, you're wanting me to shed some insight on this whole thing and... You know, it's been a long time since I've studied. Yeah, no, no, I know. So therefore, yeah, I know. No, I'm not expecting it. I, I'm just trying to get. I'm just trying. I'm trying to get deeper understanding. It's not that you said it. I'm trying to get deeper understanding. So, so I'm thinking. Do you think it's like kind of like a pseudoscience that, that Jung's getting at, or do you think that he's getting at something real right here? Is it pseudo pseudoscience or what? Well, I, I don't know. So, so, so he's talking about the shadow, and he and he's saying that. Um, that it's related in the dreams to to someone who's like the opposite gender of yourself. And again, this guy pointed out that, that Jung tends to put things a lot in gender. 
is Jung too caught up in the du in dualistic consciousness? Maybe the self and maybe his whole psychology might be too, uh, too self-oriented and, and maybe even like Jung was a little bit racist. People say maybe he was a little bit of a Nazi. Or do you think that that it that maybe he's getting at something true? Of, any thoughts? Again, Today, I'd, I'd have to I'd have to get back into studying that in order to be confident about that. Can feel pretty anachronistic and pretty patriarchal. Something to keep in mind while we learn about it. Next, the anima or animus, archetypes that likewise comprise an aspect of the protagonist's self in their unconscious mind. Women have an animus, which represents their male side, while men have an anima, representing their female side. Both are aspects of the collective unconscious, avatars for gender essentialism, kind of. Jung didn't consider them artifacts of our... Any thoughts, Gamma? No. So, so yeah, he's a gender essentialist. So, so you know, we, we're describing that there is no man and, or woman and stuff. And in the transpersonal perspective, you don't get identified with that. And that's the Christ consciousness. There is no male or female. But Jung's psychology seems to be kind of like enforcing them as archetypes and stuff. And even C.S. Lewis described that he that's the way that he saw things. But C.S. Lewis also, you know, you like to think that C.S. Lewis had transcendental consciousness, but he was a, a fundamentalist. He did believe Jesus was literally coming back. He did, you know, believe in the literal stuff. Yeah, he might have had some higher consciousness too, but any th maybe he also was caught up in dualistic. Any thoughts? Yeah, certainly possible. Specific relationships with family you know, members in the of sense that sex, though. Huh? All, all, all three of those impersonal, interpersonal, and transpersonal can all continue to exist in in all of us. Yeah, we can easily fall back and forth. Did Jesus fall back and forth? Um, well, it's certainly possible. Did Paul? You know, some of the incidents. Yeah, some of the incidents. What? Jesus, you know, there's always been this controversy about his response to the money changers in the temple. Was that a fallback into the interpersonal? I don't know. Paul and some of his some of his uh, teachings seem interpersonal. I can't think of any right at the moment, but uh, I could, if I looked again, I could find ones that at least give the impression of that have an impact on us but hey that's about enough for the animal can we just do five more minutes of this grandpa no it, I, i'm i'm useless in understanding it i can't be helpful uh could we just listen to this this one part though and then just finish it up just five minutes rather represent a sort of negation even more deeply held than what's represented by our shadow. For men, their anima personifies their feminine characteristics like moodiness, intuition, and irrationality. Yeesh. Because obviously men are never irrational or moody. For women, the animus represents male qualities like aggression, ferocity, risk-taking, and according to one scholar of Jung, silent, obstinate, evil ideas. Though the animus, they say, can also help women take action, speak out, and find wisdom. Because ladies need a lot of help with that kind of thing, I guess. 
repulsive. The last archetype is the self, not like your actual self, but a character that represents a total and timeless unification of your conscious and unconscious parts. So sort of a super ego, but also your link to the collective unconscious too. The self does a lot of work. The self will once again be the same gender as the um, self. Typically it's a wise old man, sometimes called a senex for men, and for women a crone although that term isn't as judgy as it sounds. Having integrated our primitive self, represented by the shadow, and our emotional opposite, represented by the anima or animus, we have gained a greater awareness of ourselves and our participation in the collective unconscious. The integration and awareness that the self represents is the point of the journey, whether it's a mythical journey or a psychological one. Once the hero, having passed all of their psychic trials, can accept and acknowledge the archetype of the self, he or she has gained a kind of maturity. The same could be true for each of us in the journey of our own lives. So, Jungian archetypes can seem abstract, make them feel more concrete. We're going to use them to retell a contemporary myth that almost all of us knows. Star Wars. Take it away, Thought. A long time ago, the galaxy far, far away, begins his process of individuation in total boredom on a desolate planet devoid of hope. Then, into his life, comes a shadow, awesome black Darth Vader. Powerful and cruel, Darth Vader is represented as harsher, angrier, more animalistic versions of Luke, not let himself express. Not long after, Luke meets another shadow black vest in a dangerous bar. This shadow, named Han, is cocky, where Luke is uncertain. Skilled at fighting, where Luke is a novice. And above all, world where Luke is naive. Luke and Han don't get along at first. In fact, Luke finds many aspects of Han unpleasant, especially his selfishness. But eventually, the two come to respect each other. Mainly, once Luke acknowledges his own Soon, Luke finds his anima in the form of a powerful princess with rad hair. Initially, Princess Leia is an object of sexual desire for the young man, but she's also a guide, providing Luke with the motivation to leave his home. And she leads him to his senex, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan helps Luke reconcile with his anima, establishing a loving relationship with her. Later, an even more powerful senex, Yoda, the small green Jedi Master with odd sentence structure in his. Both sentences teach Luke the ways of the Force, an elemental power that pervades all places and all things.
out and I couldn't understand anything that he was saying. So I couldn't get hold of you, so I just hung up. Okay, okay can you try to re-answer? No. But so so but but what what do you think? I'll I'll just explain really quick. What what do you think about that though? So he's saying that like that that uh, Luke Skywalker, you know, he 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 comes across like the Senexes, these wise old men, and they represent you know the the higher self, and that that'd be like Obi Wan Kenobi and uh, Yoda, and then there's like these archetypes, and then then there's uh, uh, Princess Leia, who's the anima, the the female aspect of himself, and then there's the um you know the 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 shadow characters who who be Han Solo and Darth Vader. And stuff, and those represent the evil part that you know. Maybe he has to integrate that. You know, he has to he has to integrate himself with his father, uh, Darth Vader. And what about the whole Oedipal aspect of you know Darth Vader and all that? Like, what, what do you think about all this? Is is this important? Any thoughts? That's not important to me. But is this? I never, I never considered it to be particularly relevant or helpful. So, so how do you look at the the whole Luke Skywalker, you know, Star Wars and stuff? If if you don't understand the the, the archetypes and everything. But you, you would say it represents the flow and stuff, right? The force and everything? Yeah. Yeah. And, and transcend duality or whatever? Dualistic consciousness? Right. Yeah. But, yeah, but but I, I would say, though, Grandpa, like, even like Quentin Tarantino, like, he, he uses, okay, the, the white character. There's a white character and the black character. Maybe the black character represents a shadow or whatever. Or even, like, in reality, does, like, the black race represent the shadow and the white race represent, you know, or, or what do you think about that? Like, do you think that there's those archetypes and stuff? All right. Okay. Oh, hey, grab a grab. Oh, grab a grab a one second. <laughs>